an inmate at the Minnesota Department of Corrections, Lino Lakes Correctional Facility. This call, press zero. To refuse this call, hang up or press one. This week on We The Podcast, we're looking at the issue of prison phone rates. For the 2.2 million people incarcerated in America, staying connected with their families is very difficult. But it's made even more difficult as phone calls to loved ones cost as much as $14 a minute. Yep, in some places it's as high as 14 bucks a minute. Such a high cost really adds up. Some families spend hundreds or even thousands of dollars every single year on telephone calls. That means many will have to decide between talking to their loved one who is incarcerated and paying for other necessities like electricity or healthcare. There's evidence to suggest that greater connection to community, family, loved ones leads to lower rates of recidivism when Americans who are incarcerated return home. That means these phone calls are critical to rehabilitation and maintain important social connections. In 2012, the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, placed a limit on what companies could charge for interstate phone calls, reducing rates from as high as $14 a minute to $0.25 a minute. But that does not apply to intrastate phone calls, calls within the state. More work needs to be done. Capping the rates made for out-of-state calls wasn't enough. Calls within the state were still too high for families to afford without causing real financial hardship, basically separating children from dads, children from moms, family members from family members. For Kevin Reese, an inmate at Lionel Lakes Correctional Facility, staying connected to his family during his incarceration meant they were spending hundreds if not thousands of dollars every year on phone calls. He talked about the hardships his family faced from the high phone rates. First thing is, I've been in prison for 11 years, right? And I got a 12-year-old son. So that's 11 years that I've been away from my family and from my friends. Um, the phone has been the primary way that I have stayed connected to the world. The phone is my humanity. Mm. So knowing how near and dear that has been to me and being able to keep me whole is the reality that I live with every day. Without the phone, I'm not sure if I'll still be a human 11 years later. So what kind of phone bills were you and your family dealing with? I mean, I know in some places they're as high as $14 a minute. What do we have here in Minnesota? Now, Minnesota, for all the things that goes against Minnesota, is really, really progressive. Like the phone rates in Minnesota, we actually pay 38 cents for 15-minute phone calls in the local joints, like in Stillwater, Lionel Lakes, um, uh, Oak Park, to the city, you pay 38 cents for a local phone call. But for a long-distance phone call, you're paying up to $6. We knew that this wasn't work that necessarily directly affected us, but there is a camaraderie of being part of the captive nation, and we knew that we spoke for the 2.7 men and women that's locked up within this country. So when I hear $14 phone calls, I know that that is putting some single mom behind the eight ball, and she's having to make sacrifices between buying her kids school clothes or allowing them to talk to their father. So it's the real thing that I know truly impacted us. So we did it knowing that it was more about a nationwide impact with our brothers and sisters locked up throughout this country. 
Now, Kevin, you've told you've told me how much how important it was for you to stay connected. But what about the other guys in the in the institution? I mean, do you hear some of them aren't staying connected? Some of them are. I mean, what is the what is the struggle on the inside to stay connected and how important are the phones? So what happens is um, when you come to prison, right, life goes on for your family and for your friends in the community. Like life goes on and people have schedules and, and life moves 100 miles per hour. So for guys and then you have a thousand restrictions with the visiting room. It's not really easy to get on someone's visiting list because if you're on probation or parole or if you have a parking ticket um, pending, anything pending, then you won't be able to get on someone's visiting list. So we have a lot of guys whose family and children is not able to get on their visiting list. And because of the disconnect that prison creates by itself with daddy did something wrong, that's why he's in that bad place. So it just it just drives a wedge between the family unit and itself. And you have some guys that it's really, really difficult for them to get their children on the phone to even talk to them because the stigmatization of what prison is, dad must have did something wrong, so he deserves it. So mm. one of the things that I face with guys all the time is the family disconnect of mm. uh you being in prison, so somehow you must have done, you become them, not family anymore. You become that guy that did that, not dad or brother or son any longer. You become that guy. For Vina Kay, an activist for Voices for Racial Justice in Minnesota, the fight for families became personal. My friend Kevin Reese connected me to his son, Kevin Reese III, who is 12 years old. And this is when it becomes really personal because this issue of prison phone rates was impacting this family in a very deep way. So Kevin Reese is 12, Kevin Reese the third is 12 years old. His dad has been incarcerated for 11 years. So that means that this father and the son have built a relationship over those 11 years through the phone for, you know, because the prison is not nearby, because it's hard for young Kevin to get to visit his dad, the phone is really the way they stay connected. These phone calls that help young Kevin tell his dad about his day at school, tell him about the sports that he's interested in. He said to me, we even talk about girls. And to me, that is, it's such a beautiful story, but it's also such a sad story because Families like Kevin's have to make choices about how they can afford to pay to stay connected to each other or how they can afford to get food on the table, to pay rent, to get clothes for their kids. I mean, all of these things are choices when you are an under-resourced family in Minnesota or anywhere in the country. And the high prison phone rates were forcing families like this to have to make these hard choices. These families were determined to be heard. They were eventually able to meet with Federal Communications Commissioner Mignon Clyburn. I asked Commissioner Clyburn about that meeting and how it motivated her to act. Back in 2002, a 2012 congressman, a group of advocates called me into a very crowded, hot room. Uh, really, I think it was in November of uh, 2012. And they said, Commissioner, for almost a decade, we have been attempting to get relief from egregiously high costs of our constituents, the people we care about, who have families um, and friends, loved ones uh, in prison. 
the lawyers were having problems keeping in touch and providing services for those who uh, were incarcerated, and no one is listening. Uh, we tried the courts. Uh, the court said this is um, an FCC decision, uh, and the FCC uh, basically took, um, did the paperwork, um, uh, took in the, the information, and honestly did not take the next series of steps that would provide relief. I heard this story. I heard about them filing with us once in 2003 and another time in 2007 uh, trying to seek relief. And I said, enough is enough. Uh, it is time for us to act, um, and we can do so, and families are suffering, and that is why I keep people pleaded uh, for me for help. We were not acting, and I said, now is the time for us to act. When you say high rates, how high are we talking about? Well, we have seen rates in um, one particular case with um, a, uh, a an advocate as high as $14 per minute. Whoa. Now, that is a, a case that um, uh, might is definitely outside of the norm, but it has happened. We have had it on record, and it is a part of this case. On average, uh, you will see rates are, uh, are around, uh, it's not uncommon for there be a, a, a $1 per minute um, rate um, for mm. those. Um, and, and so when you talk about, again, families who are already economically um, disadvantaged, um, that level of, of, of expense is really further bankrupting them. And about 34% of those inmates keep in touch with their families on a regular basis. And that number is so low because the prices are so high. At $14 a minute, a 30-minute phone call would cost more than 400 bucks. For these families, many of whom are low-income, impossible choices had to be made. They've lost a family member to the incarceration system. So temporarily, they've lost, you know, that person's income potential. And temporary can be many years. So they're working with resources. Um, you know, it's true that our incarceration system affects low-wealth communities at a higher rate than middle-class yeah. communities. So, you know, we are um, putting the burden of, of the simple right to stay connected on the people who can least afford it. And there's something wrong with that system. You know, we also know that being connected to the community and connected to families helps to reduce recidivism. And so why not? Why not make calls affordable, especially when we know that the long-term impact is only going to be positive? Commissioner Clyburn agreed these rates can have a devastating impact on the income of a family and the connection between family members. Family that is already economically strained cannot meet the basic needs. And so when we talk about our communities uh, being uh, just uh, you know, devastated, there are compounding reasons for this. And when you talk about those 2.2 million uh, people, uh, 2.7 of them um, are 2.7 children who are impacted. That means that the primary breadwinner in the majority of this case, 50% of those who are in prison were the primary breadwinners for mm. those now 2.7 million children. So that goes away. And so when that goes away and when and if those persons come back to society, guess what? 
um, more than 40% of their earning power goes away. Um, the majority of them, many of them, do not have a job five years, three to five years later. But when they get a job, if they have a job, uh, a great bulk of their income is, um, is, is, is wiped away uh, because of that sentence. So what we have is not only the person um, who was the primary breadwinner um, now gone, not only uh, will a family uh, with that economically devastation, economic devastation, not only, um, uh, you know, uh, is, is that foundation gone. They're trying to keep in touch with that loved one because um, they care for them, they care for that economic, their, um, you know, their physical uh, and, and mental well-being. Um, but these high rates um, that we have seen have really been prohibiting uh, families from doing so, and this economic spiral uh, just continues. What you are seeing is a cycle um, that um, is perpetuated. So if you cannot afford to keep in touch with your primary breadwinner, uh, that means that uh, you may not be able to have a computer in your home. We heard one story that um, families are foregoing what we would think are basic uh, necessities, meaning broadband connectivity, you know, having com a computer, uh, mm -hmm. having shoes, having clothes. You know, those sure. things are, be, uh, are being compromised because the majority of the families cannot keep in touch. 34% um, of the families that were surveyed went into debt because of these phone calls and visits alone. 34% went into debt. And when you talk about the entire cost um, of um, incarceration, um, when you think about the court-related fines and fees and the phone calls, it is not uncommon for a person, um, you know, uh, at the beginning of that sentence to see an amount of debt that will equal their annual income. Commissioner Clyburn and her fellow commissioners began to listen to families affected by these fees. Kevin Reese had an opportunity to speak with the FCC through video, but he wasn't alone. He had a special guest as well. It, again, it was a, another amazing opportunity provided by Media Action Grassroots Network and our partners, our Voices for Racial Justice. One of the things I understood again that I was speaking on behalf of the captive nation, that right. I was just one of 2.7 million people who was currently incarcerated. So the opportunity to be able to lend my voice to be able to push this agenda forward was important to me. So um, I got my son involved, and I wanted my son to be part of this interview with me. Because um, for so long, what happens in prison is nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. People like yourself, Congressman Ellison, um, the politicians, nobody's listening. Nothing's going to change. But that day when I was able to make a statement to the FCC and members of Congress and they took what I was saying serious and they treated me like a human being, it did so much to change the perception of the guys here of nobody cares. 
right? It changed the perception of, no, people do care, and they are listening, and they are looking into what we can do to be able to change these things. So although it was Kevin Reese Jr. and Kevin Reese the third on that phone, I stood shoulder to shoulder with the two million people that's locked up within this country, and I was trying to speak on behalf of what this means for everyone. I mean, uh, as a father, I can imagine how you might have felt that day, but could you just talk a little bit about what was going through your heart when you uh, heard Kevin the Third saying his piece? One of the proudest moments of my life. Proudest moments of my life that I was able to give my son his birthright that day. Because I've been gone his whole life. And I, he, what he knows of his father is through the phone, right? So when he got to meet powerful people like yourself, Congressman Ellison, and he got to be able to put into context of the community, I was able to speak directly to my son and tell him why it's important when you're walking around town with the name Kevin Reese, that it means something. So for all these years, he just had my name. And that day, I was able to tell him what having my name means. It means that we are respectable. We are servants of the community. And we, even though we make mistakes, we're going to get back up and try it again. So from that, me and my 12-year-old son is closer than ever before. And I'm able to speak to him in a way I wasn't able to do before. And it, done, it did a, real, a whole lot for my humanity. I asked Commissioner Clyburn about young Kevin, Kevin III, and the power of his story. Um, a very upstanding, handsome young man uh, with a mother who is definitely there in his corner, who is struggling to keep in touch with um, his father. Yes, I, re I will remember it uh, to the day I, I transition. That young man deserves uh, to keep in touch with his father, deserves to hear that I love you and what I'm going through and um, you know how I can better conduct myself as a growing and maturing um, a, a young uh, person. Uh, and because of the economic rate structure for so many um, others like him, they're unable to do so. He seems to be relatively lucky, um, but I know that there's an uh, economic impact that he does. He and his family they don't deserve that. And wouldn't you know it, change came. This past October, the FCC announced that they were capping the rates for local and in-state calls for inmates. Calls that could cost as much as $14 a minute will now cost somewhere between 11 and 22 cents per minute, depending upon the number of inmates in the institution. Once he heard that they had succeeded in getting the rates capped, Kevin was elated. I was rejoiced, Congressman, because I understood that for someone, for some single mom, this put food back on the table, this put clothes on some kids back for some single mom in Illinois or Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, like pick a state, somewhere, some single mom didn't have to make that decision between whether her kids is going to talk to their father or their mother or buy them school clothes or provide medical health care for them. It, I rejoice because I knew, again, back to the captive nation, I knew my brothers and sisters that's locked up in this country, they were smiling and because of that, they were able to get back on the phone and get a piece of their humanity back where they didn't have to pick between starving or talking to their family. So it was a real win. But it was just only one step in this long journey to freedom. But it was an actual win. I rejoice. So is this deal done? I asked Commissioner Clyburn. It is going to happen. It's going to be challenged, Congressman. Um, but um, the next step is the Federal Register, and we will uh, that will be printed, 
And at that point, the parties will be able, uh, if they choose to, and they will, honestly, uh, to, to challenge this decision. Uh, so we're moving forward, and we're hopeful uh, that uh, when, we, uh, when we are challenged in the court setting, uh, that uh, the jurors will see that we took a reasonable approach to ensure that there are just, reasonable, and fair rates uh, for everyone. Uh, that there is not a carve out for those incarcerated and their families, or attorneys, and friends. That everyone in America uh, deserves a, a just, reasonable, and fair means of keeping in touch. Uh, and it is especially, uh, I'm especially sensitive to it for those 2.7 million children who deserve to hear I love you on a regular basis from uh, their family members. Simply being able to say I love you to a family member is something we all take for granted. But for people who are incarcerated, those precious words are very and have been very expensive. But because of activists like Vina Kay, Kevin Reese, and Kevin III, things are a little bit better now. And because of responsive leaders like Mignon Clyburn, things are a little bit better. The ability to stay connected with the people we love is something we all deserve, and it should not be financially out of reach, even for people who are incarcerated. Staying connected is such an important human right. I mean, we need to have a sense of community. And even when you are incarcerated and isolated physically from the community, there are ways to keep those lines of communication, to keep that connection alive, because these are people who are going to come back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my friend Kevin Reese is someday going to be out here in the community working with us, raising his son, being a contributing member of society. And staying connected now is going to make all of that possible and better in the future. For Kevin Reese, he's going to continue his activism. Overall, I want to work on all the issues that affect our community because incarceration is just a symptom, but it's a flu. It is a root issue that we have to work on. And when I get out, I'm going to work on behalf of all the issues that affect our community, predominantly the school-to-prison pipeline because I am the school-to-prison pipeline and I know what those children need. Because of the reduced rates, Kevin Reese and 2.2 million Americans incarcerated have a greater chance to succeed once they return home. Vina Kay, Commissioner Clyburn, and hundreds of other activists work tirelessly to connect these families. But as Commissioner Clyburn said, corporations that profited off these families are going to challenge this new ruling the first chance they get. We have a chance to let our voices be heard and oppose any attempt to raise the fees to their original rates. After all, being able to say, I love you and I miss you, shouldn't be a luxury. It's something everyone should enjoy. For We The Podcast, this is Keith Ellison. See you next time.
This episode of We The Podcast was produced by Abby Shanfield, Maria Lavendier, Brett Morrow, and it was mixed up by Zach Freed.